Hello and welcome to Behind the Bearcat. This is the podcast where the Northwest Missouri State University Career Services Office chats with Northwest faculty, staff, students, alumni, and friends to hear about their career journeys, how they got to where they are, and how they became Bearcats. I'm Northwest Internship Coordinator Travis Klein. And I'm Hannah Christian, the Director of Career Services here at Northwest. And today's guest on our show is... Hi, I'm Jackie Lamer. Hi, Travis. Hi, Hannah. Hi, Mom and Dad. <laughs> Maybe Fred might listen sometime too. So hi, Fred. Oh, welcome, Jackie. It's great to have you on the show. I'm honored and um, surprised that you invited me and, and humbled. So thank you very much for having me today. So uh, well, we'll explain a little bit to our listeners uh, who might know and those who watch on YouTube that we probably will link Jackie to the previous 16 videos since you've been our most mentioned uh, guest thus far on the podcast. So uh, no pressure to perform today. <laughs> Just want to let you know. I think I'll go through and keep a tally. I'll listen to yours because I'm guessing that my husband, Fred Lamer, has just smokes everybody else and has five times as many as whoever's next. So, so tell us what is your title for those who may not know who Jackie Lamer is and what do you do here at Northwest? Um, my title is now senior instructor. Um, I like the title of instructor way better than teacher, because if someone asks me what I do, which was the second part of your question, I'll say I'm a teacher, but I really don't know if I teach or not. <laughs> I try. <laughs> So I'm an instructor and I teach um, courses in the advertising area in mass communication and also a course called Introduction to Web Publishing, which is a core digital course for our digital media major and for all of our mass media majors. And basically what that course is, is an SEO course. So anybody that's going to be publishing any kind of content, whether it's text or images, um, graphics, uh, videos, I try to give them the basics of what they need to know to have a portfolio that can get them that first job interview. So that's what I do. In fact, all my classes, what I try to do is get people ready for that first job interview. We're very supportive. We, we love your partnership. <laughs> it makes things go so much more smoothly for us. Listen, I love your partnership. And I got to tell you guys, a week or two ago, um, we were at the annual Kansas City Ad Club Spark KC. It's an annual career conference for college students. It's been called a number of things over the years. It was career day. And that was really confusing because we have our own career day. And to promote two career days was really confusing. So I was happy when they changed the name. Um, it's now Spark KC. But let me tell you about our relationship. Gosh, about at least 10, 12 years ago, um, career services made these buttons for us. And it actually started with a T-shirt because you, when you first developed this logo, it was on a t-shirt and um, Joan Schneider had some extra t-shirts and the ad club was going to an event in Kansas city. And I said, can I have those t-shirts? And she's like, sure. You know, they're all wrinkled, but you can have them. <laughs> and we, and there were five or six t-shirts and we put them on, on the bus on the way down. And it was amazing what that did to the students, their networking with the professionals. So when I came back, I'm like, we can't wear t-shirts to a professional event, but can you make me some buttons? And these buttons have been uh, making their way to that event for like 12 years now. And, and any other networking event we go on to, and it, they're just wonderful. And I always tell the students, I'm going to give them to you on the bus on the way down. And you're going to give them back to me on the way back. Cause I want, I want at least 500 more students to wear these buttons over the next few years. So 
anyway, thank you guys. And thanks Career Services because they're wonderful. Can you tell us more about uh, Spark KC? Tell us what it is and how it started and how you got involved with it. Geez, you know, I don't know when it started, but I've been going, this was like the 21st year ever since I started working. Um, so it, and it was going on then. And it's a fantastic event for college students um, put on by the Kansas City Ad Club. And they're all volunteers, but working professionals that have a wide variety of jobs that are students and not just in mass media, marketing, design, creative writing, um, and broadcasting, way more broadcasting today than even six years ago. Um, but what the ad club does is they just put on some informational sessions and it's slightly different every year, um, but always some fascinating speakers and breakfast and lunch. And, you know, it's $35 for students. It's amazingly affordable from my perspective. And um, we, we just come back on the bus and the students are like popcorn bouncing around because they've met so many people. They're getting validated. Their resumes are getting validated because they're getting good feedback from working professionals. They're realizing that they have so many options in their career and um, it's just fantastic. And of course, this year is, as you guys know, like crazy, the amount of jobs available. It is such a good time right now for these young people looking for an internship job. And even for the people who were graduated in 2020. So I know you guys know this, but just like amazing amount of opportunities right now. Yeah. So it's kind of funny because I've been trying to explain I've been like, oh, all these jobs are out here, like so many opportunities, like let's get excited. <laughs> and they're like, really? And I'm like, yes. <laughs> yeah, I was just reading. A, yeah, there's a great article in the New York Times this morning about that, too. And um, it's it just has a bunch of data behind it. And it's wonderful. I love it. Well, speaking of jobs, you have had some really awesome ones before you started at Northwest. So can you tell us a little bit about like you worked in Beverly Hills for a while and you've done some amazing stuff. So we want to hear those stories too, for sure. Uh, that's cool. So um, I see you've seen my LinkedIn profile. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. I do my homework. I, yeah, you know, I've always felt like I was lucky. I always like, I've always loved every job I have. I never really knew what I wanted to do in college. I met with my advisor one time. She said, what do you want to do? And I said, I like to write. I like to take pictures. Uh, I like to design. And she took one of those little pink pieces of paper that we used to write notes on when somebody called you the, me the message paper. And she wrote on the back of that, and she, she wrote down public relations and she goes, here, you're going to be a PR major. I'm like, fine. You know? And so I was a PR major at Bowling Green State University. It was through their journalism program. Um, yeah, I just, after college, my sister in Kansas City said, you can come to Kansas City and you can live with me for two weeks, but if you don't find a job in two weeks, you're leaving. <laughs> so like, no problem. So, you know, I drive out to Kansas City from Ohio and um, I applied for a job at the Lee Summit Journal in their advertising sales. And they interviewed me and they said, well, we see you can write and take pictures and design. So would you please just take this open job for a reporter? I'm like, fine, I'll take whatever you give me. <laughs> I thought it was just so cool to get paid. You know, I'm like, whatever, <laughs> you're going to pay me for this. It's great. So um, that was really cool. I mean, I wasn't really a journalist. You know, I'm really, I was not very well informed and I couldn't really report on anything, but, you know, puppies and bake sales and <laughs> You know, I'd do the feature pictures and go out to the park or something like that. But, um, but you know, it was great. And then I wanted to move into the city in Kansas City. So I applied for this job uh, at this startup and it was 
in the Center for Business Innovation, part of UMKC, right on Troost. And they were doing something called desktop publishing. And I was like, well, that's pretty cool because, you know, that company I work for, the Lee Summit Journal, that publication, they just had this computer that they moved into a, literally a closet and nobody knew what to do with it. And I would stay at the offices at night and I would get on that computer and I made the best CD covers ever <laughs> using draw, you know, like draw 1.0. And I just started learning that computer. And when I saw this desktop publishing job, I thought that looks pretty cool. And I could move to Kansas city from Lee summit. They hired me um, because <laughs> nobody knew how to use a computer and I knew how to use draw. So they hired me <laughs> what qualifications, right? And um, that was really cool because we were the first publication in Kansas city to be hundred percent desktop publishing. I can't say digital, but desktop publishing. And that was really neat. And I could probably talk for a long time just about that job and technology. And it's just cool. And anyway, then I moved out to California and it was a different stage of my life, but I had to get a job and I interviewed at this place called Beverly. I interviewed at several places. It's hard to get a job in California, especially if you're not living there. So I had to move out there and um, I interviewed at Beverly Hills Motoring Accessories. And um, because I knew how to write and photograph and design and do desktop publishing, they hired me because they needed a jack of all trades in their marketing department. And I don't know why they hired me because I didn't know anything at all about cars. And this company was a, it's a car company. And we sold stupid, ridiculously priced stuff to rich people who had ridiculously expensive cars and not just one, but like they would build an extra house just for their cars. And we sold them stuff, you know, that would have their car logos and like stupid stuff like $500 wax that was in a container like this. But of course it was in this container that was full of beveled glass and everything like $500 in the early nineties for wax. Anyway, it was cool. And I learned my cars and I just, it was just the coolest thing. I'd be sitting in my office and these most beautiful cars would come by and I'd go to the showroom and I'd get to drive in these cars. And, and I became friends with the owner and, um, and his wife, and we would do car things. And his wife and I would drive around in a 1963 Ferrari Dino. And it was just like, Hey, here I am. And California driving around in a Ferrari Dino. And three years ago, I didn't even know what Ferrari was, let alone what a Dino was. And anyway, we couldn't figure out where the, where the gas cap was when we ran out of, or when we were running low of gas. So we didn't really know all that much about the cars, but anyway, so that was really fun. And um, anyway, God, I'm talking. Keep going. You're doing yeah, awesome. That's great. We love it. Sorry. <laughs> came back and got a job at the Adams Mark Hotel. That was also really fun. Um, they thought it was really great to hire someone from California. And I was like, well, you know, I'm really not from California, but okay. If that's why you want to hire me, that's fine. And I did a jack of all trades thing for marketing, a lot of local, obviously local advertising, local events, a um, lot of sports um, promotion because we partnered with the Royals and the, and the Chiefs. So that was really fun. Lots of Chiefs parties and all that kind of stuff. I guess I just got paid to go to parties a lot. And no wonder you loved all your jobs. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. And then the owner of the, the desktop publishing publication, it was called the Casey view. Um, he saw I was back in town and he was doing something else revolutionary. He was starting to publish 
he had left desktop publishing and he was starting to publish on this thing called the internet. And um, he wanted someone to run a business with him. And so he, we came out, he came out to lunch at the Adams Mark. He was telling me, you know, about what he was doing. And I said to him, you know, it, I've been hearing about this thing called the information highway. I've been hearing about the internet. I said, but how about if I get back to you in a few days? And so I went down to an internet cafe on 39th street called Contana cafe or something paid $12 an hour to get on the internet. And this was 1994 and it was a wreck. I mean, I didn't, it was just a wreck. Nothing would load and nothing. It was anyway, I went to Dave the next day and I was like, okay, I'll take the job. You know, I've been on the internet now, so sure. I know all about it. <laughs> Qualified. I'll start an, yeah, I'll start an internet company with you. And so I learned all about the internet. Um, so that was really fun. Fascinating. Great. So it sounds like a lot of the, like, that's an awesome story of amazing things. But as you were telling it, I'm like the bravery it takes to just yeah, I'm going to go into desktop publishing. Yeah, I'm going to stay and learn how to use that computer. Yeah, I'm going to move to California. And yeah, I'm going to work on the internet when the internet was the Wild West pre-2000s. Like, it sounds like, you know, all those awesome things were because you weren't afraid to give things a try and to learn new things, which that's, now as a professor or as an instructor, that's probably what you try and get your students to do is don't be afraid to try things and take a risk, right? Oh, Travis, if you see bravery, there must be a filter on this camera. <laughs> Uh, it, I'm telling you, uh, in, in all honesty, I was, you know, I would just go anywhere the wind was blowing. It's not bravery. It was more like dummery. You know, I think I was, <laughs> I think I just didn't think things through. If I had the brain today, then I, I might've been scared to do some of those things, but no, I, I was just like young and living life. And again, thinking it was great that someone would pay me to do something, you know, that they want, that they wanted to even work with me. I was like, if you want to hire me, that's great. Then I will come and you can just teach me to do whatever. And I just, I was just appreciative that people gave me a job. That's really it. <laughs> so, all right. So to get to the question I've been most excited for, I guess, for this whole interview is how did you find Fred? Oh, I know. Isn't that God? How do you find a Fred? It is amazing. It's just life is God. Life is just so mysterious and amazing, and it's so wonderful when life works on its own motor, uninterrupted or unplanned, especially by me, because that's how Fred popped up in my life because I had nothing to do with it. And so I, I worked at two internet startups. One was a little tiny one out of a like a garage kind of thing, and the other was a giant big publishing company based in, in New York city. And when I was at that second one, the big one, my boss at the time, a great guy, Eric Vianello, um, he's just wonderful. He would get asked to do some things and he hated it. So if there was public speaking. He's like, here, Jackie, will you do this please? And I, and of course I'd do it. So he was asked, Eric was asked to be on the mass media professional advisory committee, the PAC. And um, because we had a Bearcat working there, um, Carissa Todd, Carissa recommended to Fred, it's Fred's pack. He's the one that invites all the professionals and they come up um, to Maryville and they sit with us for a day and they help us build our curriculum. So the pack, Fred's had this pack going for well, decades now, and it's really great for building curriculum. It's a really good program. So Fred asks Eric Vianello, would you please be on our pack? And Eric handed it to me. He's like, I don't want to do this, Jackie. Will you do this? And I'm like, I don't, 
Yes, of course. But I don't even know where is Maryville. (laughs) Right. So anyway, um, I went in Eric's place and that's when I met Fred and, you know, the rest is history. And and then I always joke with Eric and say, thank you. You know, (laughs) thank you for (laughs) tossing your junk to me because one person's (laughs) junk is another person's brand new life. Right. Actually. So you actually first met Fred in Maryville. So like, it was like a beautiful, like Maryville, Fred, like Northwest sort of thing. What a great story. It is. It's all Northwest. It's really beautiful. And it's taught me to let life happen. And it's taught me to know that unexpected good things can happen just as, just as easily as unexpected bad things can happen. And it's wonderful. And it's, I look around the campus and Fred is so beloved. And I just, I think what you said, Hannah, I'm just like, how, how did this happen? (laughs) You know, like, how did this happen? And um, I'm just so grateful and fortunate that it did. This is my 21st year, you know, so it's been 20, 20 years plus seven weeks and it's been really great gift. So how did you get into teaching? So you met, you know, through the pack, you were working on the advertising, the employer side. How'd you transition to being a faculty member here at Northwest? Because there was an open position and Fred's like, Hey, there's an open position. And, um, I remember he said to me, um, teaching is a noble career. And I was thinking, Hmm. I don't think anybody's ever used that word noble with me before. (laughs) Hmm. Well, okay. Noble sounds good. You know, still the same kind of person if there's an opportunity and if somebody wants to hire me and if I can offer some value. So I was still operating on that engine and I applied for the job and got it. And so, and then we got married in the meantime. So when I was hired, I was already a lamer. So talk about those early years of teaching what did you have to learn to be able to teach, right? So transitioning from this kind of internet desktop publishing kind of like, how did you take those skills and then use them in a kind of a different way? Yeah. Good question, Hannah. I don't know. I don't know. I don't really, I don't know. I mean, this has been the scariest job that I've had. Um, So actually it's pretty interesting, Travis, going back to your bravery thing before. This is the scariest job I've had. And I'm still scared every semester that starts, you know, I'm still lose sleep at night. It's the only job I've really lost sleep, sleep at night. And I, even after 20 years, I just, how do I stay on top of all this? How can I be an expert in all these topics? How can I um, get students prepared? And the topics I teach, they change so much. This SEO topic changes um, constantly. And so in the beginning, you know, I just was motivated by um, people saying, just teach what you know, and just care. All you have to do is care. You just have to care. That's like, that's the important ingredient to teaching. I kept those things front and center, but eventually, I mean, after a couple years, I realized that my knowledge from working at the websites was already old. So I had to start building websites. And so I built a lot of playground sites, a lot of sandbox sites, um, and that was really fun too. I, I enjoyed doing that. So it, just to learn what I needed to know to teach was a part-time job. So that was really where I put most everything into just doing a side job to learn what I have to teach in the classroom. And luckily I can learn a lot about advertising by building websites. So I would build websites. I would try to have them earn a little bit of money so I could pay for the hosting and I could also pay to run ads. And I would try, you know, all these different types of ads so I could just do it. And that's been the format the past 
15 or so years. Just do it. It's crazy. though. One thing that's interesting to me um, that I never, until I worked in this position, that I never put two and two together would be, so if you can explain to those of us who may not know what SEO is, explain what that is and how that works in you know, advertising or marketing. But I think, so on my end, SEO is so important when it comes to resumes. They function with SEO. So can you explain that to us? Yeah, what an interesting thing. So SEO is search engine optimization. And I always say it was pretty poorly named because we're not optimizing the search engines. We're optimizing our site or our content to be found in search engines. And um, it is enormously important and valuable. I, it's hard to find a career or an industry that doesn't need SEO. Um, and that's why all of our mass media students have to take it. But it's Google. You know, like all roads lead to Google. And, um, and I'm appreciative of Google and their algorithm because they can help us find information quickly. Um, so really that SEO at the heart of SEO is understanding how Google um, looks at content, how they judge it. They are, you know, Judge Judy, how they judge it. And then how they decide to um, let other people see that content, how and under what circumstances other people can see your, your website, let's just say, because that's the angle that I take. Um, and it's, it just takes some knowledge. I mean, there's at least 500 really important ingredients in Google's algorithm, at least five. I mean, there's more than 500, but at least 500 really important ones. And um, it, can, it can feel really daunting for someone that's just entering SEO. But to me, it's just, it's just a lot like everything in life, you know, like flossing your teeth and saving money. You just, you just do a little, you know, just do it every day. Just stay on it, stay on it, invest, you know, take a little bit out of your paycheck every month, every month, every month. And there are these compounding benefits. Um, and that's what SEO is. And so that's why I think it's so good for students to learn it. Now, when they're young, they hate it. So many of them just like hate it. But when they get out of the class, and they realize it really wasn't that bad. And they, they realize that it's valuable and they're using it. And some of them get jobs because they've got some SEO experience. And Travis, you were a broadcast major. You know, we have some broadcast majors who are getting broadcast jobs because Hannah, on their resume, they put SEO. So they put that indication SEO. And that's what ended up getting them an interview and a job. Because even as a broadcast major, you got to know this stuff. You got to know what what words to even to even say if you're going to write a script you need to know how to do it hopefully you know you've got a script and a transcript on your page and you have to decide where to host your videos and should you should you use youtube should you not use youtube are you cannibalizing if you do should you have transcripts should you not and should you embed the transcript should you embed the or the closed captioning always is should you put the transcript on the page under the video like all that kind of stuff makes a huge difference for a business so yeah, resumes. Yeah. I mean, putting the right words in the right places. When you're on LinkedIn and you have your, you know, profile where you can say about me, right. You put in there, I mean, SEO, your keywords should be reflective of the things that you want to be found for. Right. So that the search engine finds you ultimately. SEO is a Google thing first and then any search engine second. And of course, so many of these big platforms like LinkedIn, they have their own search tool. And 
so they do their own algorithm, but it's all the same concept. You know, it's all the same kind of algorithm. And, um, and you're right. So when somebody's in LinkedIn doing a search, how LinkedIn runs their algorithm. And, and then, of course, the human factor for the, for the students, when someone's considering calling them in for an interview, they're looking at that LinkedIn page. They're looking to see how everything, it's the LinkedIn pages, you know, as you know, of course, <laughs> the new resume, but it's just so much more. But yeah, putting the right words in the right place. A little bit of it's like everything I need to know I learned in kindergarten, right? You say the right things to the right people at the right time and everything just kind of works out. Can you talk briefly about, you were mentioning portfolios. I was just yesterday at a a graphic design mock interview and, you know, they were talking about building portfolios and having portfolios of work. And I know that's something you've worked with students on, right? Helping them understand the importance of a portfolio. Why is it important to have a portfolio and what are some tips that we could share or that you could share about what makes a good portfolio? I like to say when I'm helping students that it's a lot like deciding what to wear in the morning. You know, you've got a closet full of options. You listen to your friends, you watch TV, you watch Instagram, you get all your clues. And then, you know, what you decide to wear is how you decide to represent yourself. And um, you get the input, but it's your decision. And I think that's true for resumes. I think it's true for portfolios and everybody's different. And especially with the topics that I teach, I have a lot of non-visual topics. I have a lot of strategy that comes out of my classes. And I think a portfolio can come in in a lot of different flavors. Um, I do a portfolio session in my class and for ad ink sometimes. And we go from, you know, to me, kind of the simple, just use LinkedIn just plug stuff into LinkedIn, just use that, call that your portfolio site, get a really nice URL, don't have the URL that's automatic that has all those numbers in it, but get the good LinkedIn URL, just start embedding some of your work and just call that your portfolio and put it on your resume, put your LinkedIn address on your resume. And then I go all the way to the content management system-based portfolio sites um, that look, you know, they're just more polished and you can have your own URL, Um, And some of our students need that as well, especially the digital media students. That's a good opportunity there too. And and every every skill set requires different combinations of things. Like for UX designers or anybody going into UX, you've got to have certain things. You've got to have a usability test. You've got to have some real low fidelity mock-ups that then go to a high fidelity mock-up. And you've you've got to have those user flows in there and you've just got to show your work and your thinking. Otherwise no one's going to invite you in for a UX related interview. So it just depends, you know, on what they're going for. But I think the easy thing to do for anybody that any student right now, they need a LinkedIn account and they should be adding their good work to it because it's there and it's free and it's easy. And the hiring managers are there too. So you might as well just use it. I'm so jealous of students that have online portfolio options now because I graduated in 03. So my portfolio was a leather zip up thing that had, you had to do stuff on cassette and CD. I, I made a web page. I had to print out screenshots and have on the, you know, the covered pages. And it was such a pain to put together. And now it's like, I look at students' digital work and it's like, this is amazing. Like you could have embed your clips and your videos. And, you know, the department has them do such awesome stuff just for class. That if they've done that in any kind of practicum, they've got a portfolio worth of stuff, at least, and they can have this beautiful place to put it together. And it's not this ugly leather thing that they got to haul around with them like an anchor. 
to get through senior seminar. <laughs> yeah, I guess Travis, but I still recommend for a lot of students that they have some sort of leave behind and some something yeah. tangible to bring with them. Um, and I, I think a leave behind is a perfect tangible because it serves two purposes. When you're in a room, if your Wi-Fi is not working, or if you just want to show something quick, you don't have to be fussing through that stuff always comes off real crumbly. Um, but if you just have a nice, maybe six, 12 page leave behind, all your best stuff is in there and you can point to it while you're talking. I think if you've got something in your hand for students, they, I think they need to relax and be confident in an interview. So they need to have their work there and not forget about it, you know, and not be so distracted with a question they weren't prepared for or something. But I always say, just have all of your questions come back to that one piece that you love and that you can talk about and bring it with you and pull it out. It's your, it's in your literally like in your hip pocket, pull it out. Any question, if you're nervous, just say, Hey, that reminds me of an assignment I did in college and it's called a media plan. And in that media plan we had to, and then they can just go and they can have it open. And if it's a leave behind, all they have to do when they're done is just say, here, I've got several copies and it's got your name on it. It's got your LinkedIn address on it. And it's beautiful. I just, that's, that's what I tend to pitch. That's awesome advice. Cause yeah, that's, that is true. It is, you know, technical issues do derail your beautiful online portfolio. If you can't access it, it doesn't serve any purpose. So I hadn't thought about that. So. Yeah. Plus it, I think, you know, it just helps them know that they do, they do have value. And if they like that one assignment, just bring it with you. All your answers to every question are in that assignment. Any other, uh, any other, Maybe job search tips and tricks. Like if I am a student or I'm a young professional right now um, in this climate, in this situation, looking for a job in, I mean, whatever, you know, maybe it's in advertising, but maybe it's in other things. Like where, where should I look? How should I approach that? I think the answer is the same today as it was five years ago and 25 years ago. I wouldn't look at just one place. I would look in several places and really all the same places, sources that aggregate job opportunities and then people that you know, and then people that you don't know, but you're going to ask people that you know about those people. I mean, I think it's all still the same formula. We just do it slightly differently now. Um, what I try to do to help my students is um, I love Twitter because I can push content out. And I love that you guys have Hire a Bearcat. You're, you're one of my go-to um, if I just have a few minutes, I'll just search hire a Bearcat and I'll just start clicking, <laughs> retweet, retweet. And it's just wonderful. It's perfect for us as faculty to be able to grab what you guys are posting specific to the students we know are looking. Um, and I do the same thing on LinkedIn. Um, so I think my students should be looking at what I'm pushing out if they're not sure where to go directly. And then, you know, with Ad Inc, Ad Inc is the student club for advertising, marketing, and basically we call it now basically all creative majors, but that's not even a good name either because we have, you know, business management and all kinds of people in there, but we do um, almost nothing but networking. And right now we've got a mentor program going on and um, we've got a 15 or so, almost all Bearcats, but not all because a bunch of people love Bearcats so much that they want to participate, non-Bearcats. And so we're just having these real small um, Zooms and because it's so obvious everyone's using Zoom and we've got a schedule. It's an October thing. 
And we've got a schedule of all these bear cats who have Zooms planned and they're not, they're all different times of the day, all different times of the week. So if people can't go to Ad Inc meetings, Thursdays at four, there's these Zooms. And in the Zooms, they get to know someone. And I think that helps for students that haven't done this kind of thing before. They just, um, they need a teacher to tell them it's okay to talk to this stranger. And um, then when they talk to that stranger, they realize that's, not a stranger, it's a bear cat. And, and magic starts to happen. You know, I just love that. And these volunteers that are being mentors and adding, they all went through it themselves. You know, they were all scared about who to talk to and what to say. And now they're in there helping this generation. And I think that's same as it's always been, you know, the networking thing. But if a student's looking for an internship or job, that stuff is still so valuable. It's wonderful. You're also involved with a program called We Gotcha on campus, and they're, what they're doing, I think, is super important. So can you tell us about We Gotcha and what, what you guys do with that? Sure, I'd love to. So We Gotcha, talk about letting life happen. You know, about three or four years ago, 2018, I and some friends were just feeling not great about a lot of things that were going on in the world, and we decided we wanted to just focus on something positive. So we got together for lunch. And um, we, were, we had just been reading Nicholas Kristof's column. He's a columnist for the New York Times. And he had this whole list of how to make the world a better place. And he had suggestions. And one of them was dining with women. And we're like, yep, that sounds good. Let's go have dinner and socialize. And that'll make the world a better place. Because you end up focusing on giving money to a specific charity. We decided to just support the food pantry on campus. So we decided we don't want this big organized thing. We'll just support the food pantry. And Elissa Ford gets out her phone and she starts looking at what the food pantry needs. And she said, oh, well, they need some feminine products and we're all females. How about if we do that? Great. And then we said, let's just go to Walmart and get a bunch of tampons and pads and we'll bring them to the food pantry. And then it only took four seconds for someone to say, well, the food pantry is out at at the time it was at the police station, campus police. And we all laughed because well, if somebody needs this feminine product, they're not going to be able to get in a car or walk over to campus police. They need it in the bathroom, (laughs) right down the hall. Usability studies. I just want to say, right. Yes. The right (laughs) product at the right place, the right time. Exactly. Hannah, it's dead on. Right. It's not a new, it was a new aha for me, but not for thousands of women around the world, tens of thousands who realized that having these products in bathrooms that require they're in boxes, they're in dispensers, tampons and pads are in dispensers and have been for decades in the bathroom. So they're in the right place at the right time, but they require a quarter. And that's almost, I mean, it's a deal breaker because our students aren't carrying quarters. And so we started having a basket program. We gathered 20 or so volunteers who volunteered to sponsor a basket. They spent their own money on the products. They would monitor the baskets, fill them in um, and just constantly. I mean, Deb Toomey, my God, she had Amazon on auto refill and she's spending like a hundred something, $150 a month filling the baskets in Colton Hall. And of course that's not sustainable. So we knew that we had to try to get some change. And miraculously this semester, we've had a massive amount of change. Um, We started over the summer, an endowment, a We Gotcha endowment started with a $10,000 contribution and it raised to 12,000 pretty quickly. And then we asked for some of the students' Senate's budget that they have some rollover funds. 
and they were extremely supportive, like almost instantly. Yes. (laughs) If you read Brady Fritz's quotes on it, he said, this is just like a no brainer thing to fund. So long story, not a little bit longer. We now have an endowment fund that's um, right now at $34,000. That is enough money to pay for the products in 38 dispensers in campus buildings forever. (laughs) So it's the right kind of talk about the right tool at the right time. That's the right funding tool because an endowment doesn't run out, you know, hopefully the endowment doesn't run out and menstruation doesn't stop. So it was a perfect match. And now we've got money that's constantly coming in that supports that and custodial services were right on board. They unlocked the boxes this summer, they unlocked at least 38. There are more than 38. So we're continuing to raise money to build the endowment to cover as many dispensers on campus as we can forever. And it's just beautiful. Pretty soon we'll be announcing it. We're just waiting for the signage on the box because it's not clear to anybody right now that they're unlocked because they look the same way they have for 65 years. So we're getting some signage on it now, and then we'll start publicly announcing that that these products are now um, available for free in campus building restrooms. It's really great. And, and it's and it's it's all these wonderful women who made me realize that this is a problem. And so many volunteered time and money. We did fundraisers and they're just fantastic group of women. And all the right things happened at the right time. It was great. Really an incredible story. Yeah. And it's happening all over the country and the world. And we were just lucky enough here on this campus to have the support that we needed and got the program in place for the endowment. Um, But a lot of schools are struggling. We get contacted all the time. Like, how do you do this? How do you do this? Because most places they don't have the funding for it. So um, we just, we're just lucky. All right. Well, this has been an amazing interview, Jackie. Thank you so much uh, for taking the time to share with us. And uh, I encourage all of the students reach out, you know, especially if you're in a media advertising creative sort of program to um, reach out and look at some of the resources that are available and uh, talk to Jackie. She is filled with wisdom. (laughs) I don't know about that, but thank you. (laughs) Yeah. If you don't know Jackie and you're in any kind of creative major, you need to. So find her. She's in Wells Hall. She's on LinkedIn. She's, she's easy to find. She's a great Twitter follow. I'll, the Barrett Behind a Bearcat Twitter account will tag her in these. So check that out. And Northwest is fortunate to have you. So I know you mentioned, you know, Northwest was lucky. You are, your name keeps coming up because you support our students and mentor them in a way that makes a meaningful change in their life. And that is a huge thing. And that's, that's what being a Bearcat is all about. And I think you are a prime example of what our faculty can be for students. So thank you for what you do for our students. It means a lot. I appreciate that, Travis. That's nice. And it's been really a pleasure to talk to you guys this morning. It's fun. And I love the Zoom and it's just fun to catch up with you guys too. So thank you so much for having me. I I appreciate it. All right. Well, that will do it for another episode of Behind the Bearcat. And we'll talk to you next time. (music) 